everyone. Welcome to Simplexity, where we simplify the complexities of life and bring a little curiosity and contemplation to meaningful, sometimes difficult conversations. I'm your host, Allison Stoner. The music is all around us. All you have to do is listen, said August Rush, the fictional young prodigy who hears music in everyday sounds and writes a rhapsody to bring back his lost parents. From rupture to rapture, he unravels the mystery of who he is through sound, giving us ears to hear that we too are immersed in an ongoing symphony if we tune in. In fact, modern science, metaphysics, and traditions dating back to ancient Egypt ascertain that all life, thoughts, matter, sound, atoms, food, exists in a state of constant vibration at varying frequencies. And these frequencies actually influence the environment, your physiology, and the manifest world around us. In medicine, we've learned that certain frequencies correspond to health and others to disease. And your heart has a different vibration than your lungs. Just as we humans have our own unique sonic signature, so does everything else in the universe, including plants. There's been a considerable debate for over a century about whether plants are conscious, that is, do they have feelings, intentions, do they communicate? And developments in neuroscience, physics, and even mathematics have been used to identify that plants possess, get ready for this one, aperiodic quasi-crystal structures composed of ribosomes that may enable quantum computing, which has been suggested to lie at the core of animal consciousness. At least that's what John Gardiner writes, whose last name is as convenient to plants as mine would be if I actually smoked marijuana. And if plants are not conscious, but they're still vibrating, can our consciousness influence their vibratory field? What state of awareness would we need in order to enter these different sheaths of reality? Think realms and dimensions and layers in order to glean lessons or experience connection with a flower or a tree. While much of the profit-driven world is focused on power plants, today we're tapping into the power of plants, hey, with the man who created Plant Wave, a device that allows us to listen to plants play music. Mm -hmm. For all intents and purposes of our limited language, plants are musicians of a sort. All you have to do is listen. Joe Patitucci is a multimedia healing artist who curates bioresponsive systems to help people broaden their experience of mental, physical, and digital space, as well as the community. He is founder and director at Data Garden, home of Plant Wave, as well as Plants FM, an online streaming service delivering live music generated by plants. Today, we are digging into plant intelligence, algorithmic and generative music consciousness, his experience running a zero-waste record label, Holographic theory, because why not? And more. Welcome to Simplexity, Joe. Hey, thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. I'm excited for this breath of fresh air. I have a feeling this will have a lightness in the conversation. We've been digging in pretty deep on, on episodes recently, so I'm glad to, to have the reviving nature of plants on Simplexity. 
of course. That's why I'm here. So I'm on earth. So we're doing it. We are. Let's start with Data Garden. You originally founded this as a zero waste record label in 2011, and you released music digitally through download codes that were printed with flower seeds embedded in original artwork. What inspired you to open a record label in the first place? And why was it important to you to integrate sustainability? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, for me back in the day, I mean, guess, I guess, yeah, this is 2011. And this was in that transition period between when people still purchased physical things like CDs, but that was kind of fading itself out. Uh, you know, a lot of people were buying things digitally, but having a digital experience, you don't have that same relationship with the item. Like, uh, especially if you're a musician that's selling records at a show, there's a, an economic aspect of it. Like as a musician, you, when you go on tour, you want to have something to sell. But to me, yeah, the idea of putting out CDs or even, you know, doing the cool thing and, and doing records or tapes, which were starting to be done at the time, that just didn't fit with me. That to me just felt like the amount of ego required to create a piece of plastic like that, that would outlast possibly our species in a landfill, just didn't seem like that was the right way to release the music that I was producing. And yeah, my music was always inspired by walks in the woods or, or just, you know, travels and camping trips. And I would record sounds in the, in the woods and I'd find like the melody in the wind or, or in a bird and I would write music around that. So that's what it was about for me. I just didn't want to create a bunch more stuff. I just wanted to create experiences. And the fact that like a plant would grow and like you'd have instead of a record shelf, you could have like a plant shelf and each flower could have a representation of, you know, some music that you've listened to. Ooh, yeah, that's that's a great idea. And I want to ask about your first ever plant music installation. So in 2012, I know I'm asking you to jog <laughs> your memory <laughs> for a few years. The uh, Philadelphia Museum of Art invited you to create an installation. And you cite your interests in holographic string theory and your partner's ideas of plant consciousness inspiring this art exhibit. What was that exhibit like? Yeah, that uh, that exhibit had four plants in a room. So each corner of the room had a different plant. Each plant was connected to these electrodes and run into this device that we had made. We had an engineer, Sam Cusimano, and then Alex Tyson was one of the conceptualizers of this. We're basically taking this feed from the plant and translating that into a wave, basically this change in conductivity that's happening in the plant. It's basically measuring how much water there is between two points in the plant and how that's changing. So that change is like a wave. We take that wave, we translate that into pitch messages and then the magic happens when we run those pitch messages into synthesizers and we scale everything so it's all in a key so we had four plants in a room and each plant was playing a different instrument and it created this really just beautiful sonic environment for people to just chill out in and tune in i think that like something that we didn't realize at the time i figured you know people would dig it I didn't realize how deep people would go with it and how much time they would spend with it. And then there's a whole other aspect. It's like, I didn't realize that in addition to people responding to the music, that 
the plants would seem to respond to the people or the shifts in the energy. That was something that just totally changed everything for me. Right. You've noted that across a couple different interviews. Can you unpack that a little bit? The sounds or the melodies actually adjusted depending on who entered the space? Yeah. I mean, you know, and it's not always a one-to-one thing, but uh, I actually like kind of referencing your kind of intro where you said there is the thing about the, the quantum realm with, with plants. Mm-hmm. It's funny because Terrence McKenna also has a quote that he says that biological systems are amplifiers of quantum indeterminacy. So the quantum realm, right, is like a wa- realm of waves, right? And there, things are either waves or if they're like, they become like real in our dimension, then they're a particle. He's kind of suggesting that the plant realm is kind of like in this in-between realm of like the physical and the vibrational and that they, or that they're like amplifiers of, of that realm, right? <laughs> I hadn't been exposed to that idea, but what I had experienced was that there were it was something intuitive in humans. So one example was there were there was a group of school children, probably eight years old or so, when they found out what was going on, when they learned about what was what was happening, their first reaction was to hold their hands up and just go like this and send the plants energy. And it was like, where the heck did they get that? Right. And then there was this, this, this girl, her name, and her name was Melody. And she just went up to her mom and she said, look, mom, all you have to do is think light coming through your hands and the plants will sing for you. And this kid was basically like raking a plant, like doing energy healing on a plant and like listening to how her energy was affecting the music and it was like whoa like how where and I asked this girl's mom like where did she like is she always like what's this about and she was and her mom was like crying and her mom was like I've never seen her so happy and so like it was just like whoa all right cool with <laughs> 2022 she's gonna be an intern at- <laughs> yeah right wow that's that's beautiful and I want to dial that in even a little further and break down some of these quantum concepts or just theories of reality, specifically holographic theory. For those who have never heard this, it's an idea based in theoretical physics. Stay with me. But when did you become interested in holographic theory and how does it play a role in art in your everyday life? I think I've always just been interested in kind of science and or space my dad was like an, a computer guy for, like he was working on like early computer supercomputers in like the 60s and stuff so you know we would always go and look at meteor showers listening to space music and stuff like that and so i think that was just always a, a part that that kind of like magical feeling of connection to the universe and then people like carl sagan who did the original Cosmos series, which was redone later by Neil deGrasse Tyson, and the kind of cosmic perspective he and the and the wonder he brought to everything that he did. I think those things just inspired me. And so I would just get into like listening to ambient electronic music, 
reading books by like Stephen Hawking. And yeah, and I, I don't know how I came across Holographic Universe. I mean, I just kind of came across it. And yeah, similar. I think my understanding of it is a little bit different from what you explained in that it's not necessarily that we're in a two-dimensional reality, but it's kind of like our third-dimensional reality has a comparison to the fourth dimensional reality which we can't experience that like the two dimensional reality like like a dot on a piece of paper has to our reality right mm-hmm. okay and it's, it's kind of like that or just that there's this what they call an implicate order which is that everything underneath everything is this just like field of waves like if we know that you know, there's as much space in my hands as there is hand. Uh, the, the fact that my hands hit each other and don't go through each other is simply, a, I, I guess, a factor of mathematical probability <laughs> at the end of the day. So all of this stuff is really, you know, vibration. And once you start to think of everything in that way, things aren't things anymore. And that's not like blow your mind you're you're a crazy person now because you don't think there are any things it's more like things aren't things they're processes so everything is happening like i am happening as a human being right now like you see me now you'll see me in like 50 years i'll look totally different i'm not the same thing but i'm the same process and so that's kind of so so making music instead of making a thing of a piece of music or a thing or an album it's like no like let's actually honor the universe and the process of happening by making process music that also that that's beautiful but then also like brings people more deeply into the moment and that reminds me i forget the man's name but he speaks about the law of complexity and consciousness and when there's more of one there's more of the other and as we're continuing to unfold and become and understand things at at greater length and complexity there's also this transcendence happening in consciousness to be able to i'm not going to say contain the other but to just know that they work in tandem and in relationship and like you said it's a, it's an unfold folding constantly. It is a process. I love that perspective. That changes a a whole lot in how we might approach everyday decisions and relationships and even something as simple as the process of eating. And I mean, it it could go in infinite directions. So so let's chat about plant consciousness. (laughs) You've, You've mentioned now that different people had unique interactions with the art installations and from your understanding do plants have their own consciousness or what's happening in those moments are we just exchanging vibratory information i guess it depends on what your definition is of consciousness if you're talking about yeah a plant doesn't have the same kind of consciousness as a human being but a plant has the kind of consciousness that serves its survival and thrival, which you could say is super advanced if you consider how small and delicate these beings are and the fact that they can basically 
process light as food. Like that's pretty advanced. So it, you know, depending on from what perspective you're looking at them, it's like they could be more intelligent than us in certain ways, because part of intelligence is, I would imagine, is efficiency. And in terms of being able to live efficiently, they are very well adapted. But in terms of like our relationship with them, how we can kind of communicate with them, that's a little bit less clear. I think that my belief, I guess, is that at at a certain level, if we are all connected and, and that there is this vibratory field that is like underneath everything that's connecting us all or that we're all an expression of really, then who's to say that one couldn't tap into that flow of consciousness that we're all expressions of. And then also, I think that part of the wisdom of plants is just how simple they are or how and how still they are in a lot of ways. So I think spending time with plants and just being still gives humans a chance to just tune into something a little different. Having that space gives a human the time to tune into their own intuition. And one of the things that plant music does, I think really well with plants is it kind of creates a space to hold space for humans to connect to their intuition. And then in when you're in that space, you start to notice these subtle shifts that are happening in the plants in, and you start to n- note the relationship between those shifts that are happening in the plant and how you're feeling or, or what you're thinking. And So I like to say that if you come to any kind of, you know, if you're sitting with a plant and listening to plant music and and you come to some sort of realization, you know, I like to say that's the plant's message for you, right? But is it literally the plant's message for you? Like, I don't know, but that's definitely a poetic expression of what the moment it is. It might be scientifically accurate someday but whether or not that's scientifically accurate it's definitely a way that we can relate to that moment right what are the general responses to listening to plant music does it seem to have like a net quote-unquote positive effect or is it just neutral transmission of whatever is i really like the way you phrase that so there there are two aspects to it so in terms of the way people respond to it I mean, generally, people are just super chilled out after listening. Um, I think the the most common things I hear are that, you know, I'm more relaxed, I'm more connected, I'm more inspired. Those are really common, common things where some people listen to plant music in order to concentrate and just focus and work on things. I haven't heard anybody have a bad experience with plant music, but one common question people ask is like, well, if you're thinking bad thoughts, will the plant make like scary sounds or will it make like happier sounds when you're happier because of the way that we design the music or design the instruments for the plants to play? They're always harmonious and they're always going to be chill. But so so what I like to say is that the shifts that you hear in the music are value neutral. Like we don't have to kind of uh, apply. Yeah. Yeah. Or judge. Yeah, exactly. What those shifts mean in terms of good or bad, but they help you to see that there are shifts there. So if you hear a shift going from a thought that makes you feel great and a thought that like makes you feel terrible, it's just mirroring that back. And you're hearing that just as a change in music that's still chill. So it's still holding space for you to come back and feel great. We're not going to take you off and like, 
you're thinking bad thoughts. I'm going to take you off into this deep, dark zone. Like we're not, no, here we are. Mm. Here it is. And is that where terms like generative music or algorithmic music come into play? Is that what the technology is, is using? Are you creating that algorithm or am I completely disjointing this terminology? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, I mean, I think that's pretty accurate. Like the, the process I described earlier where we're taking that, that wave and translating into pitch, right. And then we're running those pitch messages and we'll just, we'll just take one instrument, for example, digital piano. And before those messages get to the piano, they go through a scaler and the scaler says, okay, every note, like the, the plant is only allowed to play within the key of C. So mm -hmm. everything's going to be in C. And then it goes through another box that says, okay, the plant's only going to be allowed to play one or, or like quarter notes, like four notes, every measure plant's going to be allowed to play. Because rhythm is important. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's basically, and then, and then that, and then that note message goes to the piano. And then also based on how quickly the plant changes, like if you think of yourself being really calm and your heart being slow, and then something happening and your heart speeding up, that's a mm. big velocity change in a short period of time. So if something like that happens in the plant, the plant can actually change the speed at which it's playing those notes. Okay. So it can say instead of a quarter note, I'm playing a 16th note. So I'm playing, f I'm playing 16 notes every measure instead of four. Thanks, Ma. Thanks, Pa. But I need to go <laughs> my own way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Make my own decision. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's basically uh, what's going on. And, that's, and that, that example is for one plant. And we can take that same stream of data and apply it to multiple instruments. Mm -hmm. So I could run that same data to another plant or sorry, to another instrument like a flute and have that play the same in the same key. But maybe I give that a different time that it's allowed to play. Maybe it's allowed to play like uh, whole notes only or something, you know, and then what happens mm -hmm. is you stack all of these different instruments on each other. Then you start to get this really nice moving Wow. fluctuating music. So are you composing like a library, a catalog of patterns that then can mm -hmm. just be like rotated like a playlist almost? Uh, absolutely. Yeah. So you've heard Plants FM. That's one sound set is what we're calling them or, or a scene. And the PlantWave app is going to have multiple sound sets like that. So right now we have about three sound sets, but we're probably going to have hundreds. Not only that, but users are going to be able to make their own as well. So we're going to have like a pro version so people can make their own. People are going to be able to stream their plants, broadcast their plants to other people, just like have them out there. It's, it's going to be really cool. When does this roll out? Uh, it rolls out in October. <gasps> so yeah. Soon. Yeah, we're taking pre-orders right now. I'm about to send out 30 units to some of our uh, product testers and hopefully Ooh. break it before we send it to other people. <laughs> Mike, we're all listening on Simplexity going, okay, let me know when we can download the app. <laughs> why, why do you think connecting people to the plant world through technology is important. 
Yeah, to me, it's about meeting people where they are. I think at the end of the day, we are human beings. We are a part of the earth. I know it seems that sounds really woo, but if you look at it, we're made of earth stuff. We grew from things that were here before us and we're, we're basically a part of this planet for some reason. I mean, there are reasons, of course, but you know, we've decided to put layers of rubber and plastic between our feet and the earth, which may have some challenges to it in terms of us feeling connected. But yeah, we're a part of the earth. And so I think it's just about getting people to reconnect or giving people the space or the opportunity to reconnect to the earth and see how that feels. And people are in their phones, people are on the computer, people are there. And so I just look at my work, whether it's doing this with plants or I also do this with other things like heart biofeedback and other things. It's about building a bridge from this thing that we're staring at all the time back into our bodies, back into the earth and like reminding ourselves like we're here. Mm, yes. I, I want to ask a little bit more about plant intelligence and I have several more questions, but mm -hmm. I want to give everyone a break to listen to the most amazing commercials ever. Actually, I don't know what's about to play, so. <laughs> <laughs> but when we come back, we'll keep diving into the wonderful world of plants, including a question about plant medicine. So stay tuned. Welcome back to Simplexity. Here hanging out with Joe, talking all things plants. Hope you enjoyed whatever commercials just played. So I want to ask more about the lessons we can learn from plants and plant systems before moving forward. So humans have used plants for their extensive medicinal properties centuries. But we can also learn so much from studying and mimicking their natural order and systems. Plants seem incredibly intelligent, in fact. For example, a, a research study led by Monica Gagliano looked at how plants find water. And not only did she discover that plants react to the sound of water rather than the presence of moisture, but they can tell the difference between the real sound and a recording of the sound. And, you know, plants seem to vibrate and react to vibrations. What are some of the practical and or energetic lessons you think we can learn directly from plant intelligence or the plant world? To me, it's really simple. If you think of a plant, it's grounded and it's always growing towards the light. So that's it. It's like, are you grounded or are you scattered all over the place? Do you feel yourself grounded in this present moment? Like, or are you, is there something stirring that like needs to be released? Like, how can we get grounded and slow it down? and just accept the present moment. And then from that place, how can we, you know, grow towards the light? How can we, you know, expand? How can we direct our thoughts in a way that is more towards the light, not focusing on everything that's wrong with the world, but focusing on how maybe the things that we see that are wrong with the world, those are there to show us where we're being called to step in as leaders or where we're being called to show up 
and bring more light. So that to me is the biggest lesson that I get from plants is just be grounded and grow towards the lights. That was expertly crafted in your answer, very nuanced, because that is a an immediately applicable perspective to mm-hmm. what's happening right now. And and then also other lessons I see and have heard you talk about is the kind of cooperation and cohabitation that we see in, in plant systems, knowing that we don't always get along here as humans, but we can we can take a lot of lessons from looking at how plants share resources and water and nutrients and soil seemingly more democratically than we humans do sometimes. Yeah, I I can't think of any plant species that has like completely destroyed itself. (laughs) I can't think of any plant species that has the capacity to completely destroy itself. Maybe that's by their own design. (laughs) And here we are teetering on the precipice <laughs> of our own extinction, and maybe we can take some some nods from plants and mimic. We got this. We're on a cliff, but it's the precipice of our evolution. There you go. We are growing yeah. toward the light. There it is. Yes. There it is. Speak, speak in that frequency. So let me ask a little bit more about... Looking to the past for some information that maybe we've let go of and and how we can reorganize ourselves to grow towards the light. Our industrialized world has its own specific needs and skills that apply. Certain spiritual, ideological, and technological systems cultivated by past civilizations have been forgotten or cast aside, maybe due to their inability to fit into the programming of our modern world. But you've mentioned that to ensure our survival, it's important to return to the beliefs and regain these skills. What would you say some of these skills are that we no longer have? And why do you think that they're so important to our evolution in this present moment? We have sensitivities that aren't prioritized by our current society. You know, we have people, there are people out there that think they feel too much. And to me, that is not a problem with that person that feels a lot. That's a problem with the society that doesn't actually have a place for people that have that level of sensitivity. Those people would be, you know, those people might be seers or something in another society. Those people could be very valued for their sensitivity. And I think it's really dangerous as a society to squash out people's innate gifts just because they don't serve what we think is most important. And and I would say that in our society, we have prioritized since the Industrial Revolution, the building of stuff and the creation of you know, material comfort, which has been nice, but it also has resulted in like plastic in our ocean everywhere and all these other things. And in our push to do all this stuff, we've squashed out our our sensitivity and we've said that's not important, but it is important. And it's actually not only is it important, but it's one of the gifts that we have to ensure our survival on this earth and beyond. Because if we don't pay attention to the fact that we are sensitive beings, we won't have the sensitivity to realize that we're poisoning ourselves until it's too late. 
So, I mean, I guess that's one, one example, like just the ability to listen to your body. Like there are some people that don't get sick and it's not because they are genetically superior. It's because they can tell as soon as their body is giving them a feeling that's saying, hey, you're pushing too hard or hey, like that's not good for me. They, they are so sensitive. They can tell they redirect their ship towards like resonance with their body and they go that way. You know, we could all use that. We've gotten away from that. We've just said, we'll fix it in post, right? We'll fix it later. We'll go to the doctor. We'll take some medicine. We'll go, we'll sit in a hospital bed. We'll do this and that. It's like, Hey, hold on. So, so yeah, that's just like one sensitivity, I guess I would say, or that's one, one thing that we've kind of lost as a society. There are probably a lot of other things that, that we've lost. I have no idea of what they are. There are probably a lot of other capacities that humans have that none of us know, but they could really serve us as we're, you know, we, we need to survive on this planet. And, you know, we're going to space too. I mean, we're floating in space already. So I know it's wild <laughs> in those words. And you brought up this idea that we, in, we favor external plans. Like we would rather read about a blueprint for how to be healthy than to just listen to what mm-hmm. our is already teaching us. And, and of course, yes, if we've lost the sensitivity, then we truly may not be able to hear it. But if we can cultivate a practice that simultaneously does check the boxes of what we need to make sure we're getting, you know, proper nutrients, sleep, water, hydration, but simultaneously cultivate a practice where that becomes more intuitive instead of the latest and greatest fad diet, then we, we might be able to kind of get into our own flow that uh, keeps us healthier long-term. So speaking of health and, and medicine, I, I want to ask a broad question about plant medicine. This topic honestly needs its own episode or series. For context, the term plant medicine could encompass a wide range of subjects such as plant extracts and their complex molecules being used in pharmaceutical drugs and medications. This could be herbal treatments that are hopefully administrated by qualified folks. There's also ceremonial plant medicine journeys like ayahuasca. And I want to talk about the latter. Do you have a personal take on plants being used ceremonially to heal? Yeah, they're, they're, I mean, we've co-evolved with plants. I mean, my perspective on healing too is actually, it's less of an active thing. It's more of a passive thing. In some ways, it's a getting out of the way. Like healing is our natural state. So in a lot of ways, like getting the other stuff out of us that is getting in the way of us being in our natural state. And plants have a role in that in a lot of ways. And so if we're only thinking about what the plant can do for us, are there any ceremonies that celebrate reciprocity and gratitude? Glad that you brought that up because it's important to not think of it necessarily as like, you know, we're taking from the plant, you know, since we're all beings together on this, this planet, we're all in this together. It's all a partnership and it's all a sacrifice. So like when we're ingesting a plant or eating a plant or eating an animal, whatever it is to just acknowledge that as a being that has some form of consciousness, acknowledge that as energy that we're bringing into our body and that we want to be expressed as like its its highest form. And then how do you think we can 
cultivate this relationship to plants in our own lives and society? In our own lives. I mean, it's just, I like to think that, you know, what we're doing with Plants FM and Plant Wave is providing a space to just stop and listen and tune in. You don't need an electronic device to do that. You can actually just sit there and appreciate, or you can lay under a tree and watch the light shine through the leaves as the wind blows and just like watch those beautiful patterns and 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 feel how your body relaxes or go on a hike and and like smell the smell the sage or whatever the local uh flowers and herbs are as you're as you're walking through wilderness and don't wear like ear pods or anything like that like just actually listen to the sounds around you listen to the wind and just listen to the wind through trees like it's really it's the really magical beautiful sounds that are really hard to recreate so just to appreciate that mm. As a musician, that's a great reminder too, because I'm like, yeah, just get on my MIDI keyboard and plug in some. <laughs> we'll be good, but you can't just replicate the biophony. Accessing your creativity as well is, is like super healing. So if you want to bring out your MIDI keyboard and play and like all of a sudden you're, you disappear into like four hours of like creation, like that's, that's a great way of doing life as well. Right. Agreed. Uh, take that advice in. <laughs> so for those of us who want to learn more and we want to find you and follow you online and be the first to download the app, how can we do that? Go to plantwave.com to learn about PlantWave. You can actually pre-order the device today. We're giving $50 off while we're in pre-order and that will deliver. We'll be shipping in October. We ship worldwide. So you just go to plantwave.com. Then like all of our social stuff is plantwave. If you want to follow me, I do breathwork and meditations and you can find links to everything from my Instagram, which is nature of now. So mm. if you go there, you'll find links to plantwave, to my company, data garden, to plants FM, all of that. So if you go to nature of now on Instagram, You'll find me there. Excellent. We'll make sure to keep all of those links in the episode description so we can easily access them. God awesome. forbid we had to actually go back and listen. And is there anything? Oh, it's 333. What a great time. Of course it is. It uh, is there any final word then that comes to mind that you'd like to share? Or do you feel like this is a nice closer? I'd just say listen. Find time to listen mm. to your body, to silence. And just like explore that space of listening. That is the perfect way to return to the first sentence of this show. The music is all around us. All you have to do is listen. Joe, thank you so much for joining us today. I will let you move throughout the rest of your day and I'm going to turn some of your wisdom into affirmations for us. Appreciate your time. And I'm excited. I'm going to pre-order my device. <laughs> awesome. Thanks so much. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is a great conversation. So yeah, yeah. I really appreciate it. Yeah, and, and let us know how we can support and serve and amplify and all that good stuff.
Beautiful. Now we've arrived at our mantra portion of the show. I will give you three affirmations reading each twice. On the third repetition, I'll remain silent so you can repeat the mantra for yourself. And remember, write these down so you can revisit them regularly to start making measurable changes in your mind and unlocking your full potential. All right, here we go. Number one, like a plant, I ground myself and grow towards the light. Like a plant, I ground myself and grow towards the light. Number two, healing is my natural state. Healing is my natural state. Lastly, the nature of life is a blend of partnership and sacrifice. The nature of life is a blend of partnership and sacrifice. Wonderful. I would love to hear your reflections. Please, as always, share this episode or your reflections with me too. Like tag your friends, your family, and also me and some Flexity podcast. I'm at Allison Stoner on Instagram. And thank you for listening to today's episode. If you haven't already, please take a second to leave a rating and review with your top takeaway from today's episode. And I will see you next time for more Simplexity. Ooh, I'm feeling real peaceful. Must be the plants. <laughs> it's anything but small talk. Peace. <laughs>